Friends, in a small cemetery in Olney, England, is a tombstone. It says, here lies John Newton, clerk, and then it goes on, once an infidel and libertine, a servant of slavers in Africa, who by the rich mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ was preserved, restored, pardoned, and appointed to preach the faith he had long labored to destroy. Many people don't know who John Newton is, but you know his legacy, Amazing Grace. And the words are so simply powerful because grace is that simple. And when discovered by this old sea dog, it changed him completely. It is amazing how often this has happened. The Bible records so many conversions, and in my ministry, I've seen the whole gamut from alcoholics, drug addicts, adulterers, LBG, trans, you name it, right? Bank robbers, I've worked with murderers, and they're all forgiven. To see it in the scriptures, it's the fabric woven together around history the people around from the beginning uh, you'll see the the people from jesus ministry which displays it perhaps the best the manic at gadara the despised tax collector uh, matthew blind bartimaeus the adulterous samaritan woman zacchaeus a roman centurion at his crucifixion Cornelius, and even Lydia, a seller of purple. You see, there is one that brought it more or less to focus by being the one that God used as the voice box, the mouthpiece. It was the Apostle Paul. And it's in Acts chapter 9 where the conversion happens. He is confronted by Jesus, and he is still Saul, why do you persecute me, says Jesus. And he is overwhelmed with his sin. It's there that he will then also display it in his later years. Uh, Acts chapters 22 and 26 are filled with that story. And then it plays out through everything else that he has written, whether it's Galatians 1 and 2, Philippians 3 and 4, or here in 1 Timothy chapter 1. He's an example of, as God has given the ultimate display of grace, from being the worst of sinners to being the apostle for the Gentiles. When I look in the mirror, as should you, I too am lost, but I was found. I was blind, and sometimes still I'm amazed at my blindness, but I have been saved. And so today we look at the power of our inner thoughts. And I want you to deal with what you say inside uh, about who you are because it is Jesus that defines that. John Newton often told the story at the end of his life uh, of his conversion. And uh, it was a wild time out at sea. He almost drowned. He turned to God. He was released from his burden. And he was called the old converted sea captain. And at the very end, he said, most of my memory is gone, but I remember two things, that I am a great sinner and that Jesus is a great Savior. 
Let's start with, we're going to use P's as we define it today, the pattern of grace. See the pattern of grace. I give thanks to the one who empowered me, namely Christ Jesus our Lord, that he treated me as trustworthy, appointing me into his ministry. Grace emanates from the person of Jesus Christ. And the Apostle Paul, once he had met him, t'was blind, but now he could see. It took several days because it was such an amazing miracle of change. In the original Greek language, uh, grace conveys the idea of a free gift. Something given to a person that is not just a complete turnaround, conversion, but it is so absolutely astounding because they deserve judgment and condemnation. Because they are on the road to hell, to death, to eternal execution. And they are given life. They are filled with loathing of themselves, loathing of others, hatred, and then they are changed to being able to receive and to give love. I used to do this in confirmation class, that I would have kids try to, um, they'd race for the Bible. It, it, it gathers a little bit of energy because kids always like competition. And one way in which I evened out the competition was I would have them hold on the back of their Bible and then drop it open to what they thought was the reference. Amazingly, about 10 times a year, they would hit it exact, drop it wide open to the right reference, and I called that grace, and I immediately gave them an A+. You see, don't you, the Bible affirms that this is the plan of God the Father. Paul identifies electing grace, the fact that he always would remember it was God's choice to choose him. Enabling grace, I, I need this, and you do too. I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. Entrusting grace, the one whom the Lord has by his mercy made worthy of trust, says Paul. He didn't deserve it at all. But now he was trusted by God himself, employing grace that it binds us into the service, the joyful commitment of spreading the word of God. Plutarch, an ancient writer, made this comment about the soldiers, the Spartans in Greece, that in their victory uh, in either the games or in war, they would be given the privilege of standing next to the king and celebrated. Every soldier wanted that opportunity to stand next to the king. And in fact, that's exactly the pattern of grace shown by Paul. Then experience the power of grace. It's vivid in his mind because it was such a massive change. He did this even though formerly I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a violent man, but I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. He had received a huge dose of grace. Remember in the pandemic when they would have to dose people really high? We could probably get an analysis of grace from heaven and say, who in this room needs grace the most? I do. And probably every one of you will say, I do. Because the Apostle Paul was a persecutor, a blasphemer, a violent man, a man who breathed out murderous threats 
You'd call him uh, a monster. He wanted to destroy, this is genocide, the whole batch of the way. All of them. What an uh, amazing thing that God would choose that man to become his tool. In fact, that's exactly what he would say when Paul, when Paul hit Saul, hit the ground. He would say, you're going to find out how much you have to put on the line now for me because you persecuted me, yet what did Paul get? The total compassion of God. The love of Jesus. Jesus saying, I see you, I know you, and I love you. To have that is like this. The abundancy uh, of perfect grace. You know, in such wretchedness, uh, the Apostle Paul would find out that God was perfect in his grace and that it would work in his uh, best stead to have a brand new life. John Newton turned out to be quite a missionary. It wasn't just his song that he contributed. And that perfect grace is like an artist who painted a picture of Niagara Falls. He was a very famous artist, but he didn't name the art piece. He brought it to the gallery and said, you name it. And the gallery came up with quite a name. Under the falls, they put more to follow. It's because thousands and thousands and thousands of gallons, more to come, right? Any of you ever been down below there in the misty uh, boat? You get an amazing representation of grace pouring out. Martin Luther compared it to lights. He said, just as the sun is not darkened by the whole world enjoying its light and could indeed light up ten worlds, just as a hundred thousand lights might be lit from one light yet not detract from it, just as a learned man is able to make a thousand others learned, and the more he gives, the more he has, so is Christ our Lord an infinite source of all grace, so that if the whole world would draw enough grace and truth from it, to make the world all angels, yet it would not lose a drop. The fountain always runs over full of grace. He uses the Greek word hyper, or what we call hyper. A kid that's hyperactive is not normal. <laughs> you know, they're, they're hyper. Uh, we call it uh, an expression when you say it way above, hyperbole, but this isn't hyperbole. To say that grace is that abundant is because it comes from a perfect, loving God. And you and I need to not just see Paul, but to see Jesus calling Paul because it's Jesus that changes us. And then we revel in the purpose of grace. Here we find one of the most carefully worded summations of the gospel in all of scripture it's almost catechetical in its format and it is deep uh, here's the good news in a nutshell the saying is trustworthy and worthy of full acceptance christ jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom i am the worst but i was shown mercy for this reason that in me the worst sinner christ jesus might demonstrate his unlimited patience as an example for those who are going to believe in him, resulting in eternal life. 
I like the translation here, the EHV, resulting in eternal life. Because that's what happens when grace fills a heart and it is overflowing with an abundant purpose. It changes everything about our life. We no longer are, like Paul, the selfish uh, pursuer of his own goals, but rather we are turned into a person that has only Jesus and his word, his will, in mind. So also the depth. Look at yourself in the mirror and say, is there anything I see here that is worthy of God's grace? And your answer should be, not a bit. I've wrecked it. I've wrecked my life, my marriage, I've lied, I've cheated, I've stolen, whatever your particular sin is. I know you have that, and I know that you need to confront yourself in the mirror. John Newton's admission, how sweet the sound, saved a wretch like me, is not understood by the world. They, they don't want to go to that admission that we are filled, riddled to our core by sin. But they will not understand it until they have been confronted by the law. In verses 8 to 11, Paul sets it all up. And then he comes here and he, he, he proclaims what he says there in verse 14. The grace of our Lord overflowed on me along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. He's not looking for accolades here. And he isn't looking for a pat on the back. He's just telling it like it is. This is the grace of Jesus Christ. Worst sinner has been saved. So you don't have an excuse. You cannot bow out. Truth be told, Paul, this dude was so bad that it was uh, almost like a betrayal in the church. When they heard that he was coming to their side, they thought it was a theological Trojan horse. He's coming to find us and to tear us apart it took years for people to trust and even then he was mostly out in the field a missionary far flung you see paul was a model with a sign hanging over him this is what a life looks like when it's shaped by the grace of god and it could be your life how many of you haven't already sensed this a time or two but you need a refresher course. You know that we identify grace as God's riches at Christ's expense. Because it's called free grace doesn't mean that it was free for Jesus. It cost him everything. But yet, isn't it amazing how that was done personally, intimately for you? Another definition is grace goes beyond mercy. Mercy is the governor giving a guilty man a pardon. Grace is the governor giving the man a pardon and then taking him into his home to live with him. Wow, what God has done for you, for me, for John Newton, for Moses, for Saul turned into Paul. And it is abundantly clear when you stay in the scriptures, there is only one source for that. It's the love of Jesus Christ. And from the cross he displayed it and from the open tomb, he promoted and, and gave it. God be praised that we also can ask for, grant us a faith like this.
in abundant grace. Amen.